wonderful day, Disciples Church. Jesus is risen. Amen. Resurrection Sunday marks the celebratory conclusion of what is known as Holy Week. Holy Week is what we refer to as the most important week of human history. It is the remembrance of the last week of Jesus' life before his sacrificial death and mighty resurrection. The gospel is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus Christ died for our sins. That was Friday. And was raised from the dead on Sunday. All in accordance with what the Holy Scriptures said would happen. In other words, just as God promised it would happen. Amen? God's prophet of old Isaiah records early in his book, 500 plus years before Jesus even took on flesh, that the Messiah's life would begin with a great miracle. He prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. Truly a great miracle. Supernatural work of God. And that his life would end with a great miracle. That he would resurrect from the grave. And that prophecy fully made true in the providence of God. Today, church, we celebrate the great miracle that Jesus resurrected from the grave And I'm so happy to be here with you all to celebrate this with you on this great day of our Lord. Grab your Bibles with me this morning and turn with me to the letter of 1 John. You'll find that in the New Testament towards the very back of your Bible. If you're just becoming familiar with Holy Scripture, you'll find it after 2 Peter and just before Jude and Revelation. So right towards the very, very back. As a church, we are enjoying our sermon series through the letters of John, and we currently find ourselves in the middle of chapter 4, just in time for Holy Week. Why do I say that? Because here in chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, John gives us such a beautiful synopsis of the gospel of our Lord, what I'm referring to this week as the gospel of love. Listen to it with me, and I think you'll see why. 1 John chapter 4, 9-10 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God did not just profess His love to us, but He demonstrated it in the most amazing way. God's love is made manifest in the sinless life, the sacrificial death, and the victorious resurrection of Jesus. We can only know God's love because He first loved us. And praise God that he did. John says in verse 9 and 10 that God sent his only son 
to be the needed atonement of our sins. This was our focus on Friday night, our Good Friday service, so that we could live through him. We all were guilty in our sin. We could not satisfy God's perfect requirement and standard. But only Jesus, who is without sin, was able to do this. And the good news is that he did. The gospel of love does not end, though, with his death. Jesus had to resurrect from the grave so that we could be resurrected from being dead in sin, so that we could live through him. That's that part of this passage in our real intimate focus on these two verses last Palm Sunday, last Good Friday, and today Resurrection Sunday. I want to really pull out this idea that we might live through him, as John states here. We can only live through him, church, because Jesus lives. Christ is risen. And if he didn't rise, we would have no hope of salvation or resurrection ourselves. We would have no hope for new life. Church, because he lives, we can live through him. This brings us to ask and answer an important question this morning. Why does the resurrection really matter? And scripture gives us a lot of solid and wonderful and needed answers to this question. I want to highlight some of those for you this morning. Why does the resurrection matter? The first answer is our hope, our hope for resurrection is absolutely dependent on the resurrection of Jesus. We would have no hope for new life if Jesus didn't resurrect from the grave after paying for our sins. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 17-19. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If we don't have hope for resurrection... Then the, then the hope one might have in Jesus for this life only means that we are to be pitied. Why? Because this life is incredibly short compared to eternity to come. If our faith in Christ is only for the benefit of this life and not the next, then we are to be of all people most pitied. Understand with me this morning that the very foundation and fundamental idea of hope is that it is resting on someone or something to deliver in the future. That's the basis of hope, something to come. And because Jesus took on all our sin and satisfied God's wrath, do sin, and rose victoriously from the grave on the third day, we have great hope. Peter says we have living hope that we too will rise and reign with him forever. Amen? Listen to Peter's words in 1 Peter 1.3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says, according to his great mercy, God's great mercy, he causes us to be born again. God acted. God showed up in the most profound way. God the Father sent his only son to come and to save us. What it doesn't say is that we're saved according to our own merit or decision. Our salvation is not the result of a wise choice to accept God's offer for new life. Our salvation is not the result of our good works to earn that favor in God unto new life. God caused us to be born again. The Bible is clear that our salvation is the work of God alone so that we have nothing to boast in but Him. Scripture says again and again that salvation belongs to the Lord. Our salvation from sin is according to the mercy or the grace of God alone. Not according to anything we offer, anything we might contribute, anything we might do or say or earn. No, according to His mercy alone. Peter is saying God is due all praise and blessing And because of his great mercy, which caused his elect to be born again, we are spiritually born unto new life in Christ. We are spiritually made alive. Why? So that we too can be resurrected. So that we too can know new life, spiritual life with God now and forever. John says in our our verse, 1 John 4, 9, so that we might live through him. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Is your life, Christian, one lived through Christ? The hope we have is for resurrection, for victory. It's not a hope that is empty or fleeting or vain. It, it is genuine. It is rock-solid. It's not hope built on a baseless superstition. It's not contrived in the hearts of finite men. Why? Because it is built on the finished work of Christ on the cross. And it is revealed in the resurrection of Jesus. Peter says it is living hope. Because Christ is living. Hear it again. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When God gives us new birth, when He gives us saving faith, Faith, we trust all our lives to Jesus for salvation, for new life. And when we do this, we trust in the resurrected Savior. 
Not a long dead and gone Messiah like all of the other man-made religions. All of them. Their story ended in the grave. Their, their prophets, their, their little G-gods ended in the grave. Ours lives and reigns and accomplished all he said he would do. Church, this is why our faith abounds even in the hardest times and circumstances. Because our hope is living. It's active. It's thriving in the fertile soil of Jesus' victory. Your hope as a Christian is not dependent on your circumstances. It is thriving in the fertile soil of what? Jesus' victory over the grave. Let me ask you, make it personal this morning. Do business with this today. What or who have you been hoping in lately? Where have you been putting your hope? When you're thinking of a hope, what is that built on? Be honest with yourself. When you wake up in the morning, what motivates you to live? If there is no hope, why live? Why endure the hardships of life? Have you been losing hope as hardships come your way? As things don't go your way? May the fact that Jesus' resurrection and all that it is be your hope, church. And let it be like firm ground under your feet after being lost at sea for months on end. Let it move in you true faith to press on to win the prize not looking back to trust in Jesus to walk by faith when the circumstances are not going well your faith goes to work your hope continues because Christ's victory is not to be determined Right? It's done. It's finished. It's proclaimed. It's endorsed. He lives. And so I can face tomorrow. That great lyric from that great old hymn. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. King David said it this way. Psalm 146 verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Whose hope is in the Lord his God. Church, Christian, we hope in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. May your living hope in Christ cause you to truly live in hope.
What a gift. What a gift God has given us. Amen? God gave us this in the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The victory of our bloody champion on the cross is our victory, too, for those who trust Jesus, die to self, and and give their lives to him. Because he is the firstborn of God's redeemed family. He, he is truly the forerunner of all who trust in Christ alone for salvation, reconciliation, and future resurrection. Beloved, do you, do you see it rightly? When you see Jesus' resurrection, you need to see your future resurrection. For all who trust their lives to Christ, Jesus is our essential forerunner of resurrection listen to how paul emphasizes this in romans 6 4 and 5 he says we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in the newness of life for if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen? So why does the resurrection matter? Because our hope for resurrection is absolutely dependent on the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, because our justification is endorsed by the resurrection of Christ. The Word of Truth Catechism defines justification this way. Justification is when God declares a believer not guilty based on the, the believer being credited with Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness. Listen to Paul's words in Romans 4, 23-25. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone. But for ours also, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This verse clarifies that by raising Jesus from the dead, God approved the work of Christ on the cross for our sins, He declares the Son's work complete. It is God's stamp of affirmation that the penalty for sin was fully paid on our behalf. And no guilt remains. In other words, Jesus' resurrection gave final proof that he indeed did earn our justification. The late great pastor, theologian Jonathan Edwards states, this point this way for if christ were not risen it would be evidence that god was not yet satisfied for our sins now the resurrection is god's declaring his satisfaction he thereby declared that it was enough christ was thereby released from his work christ as he was mediator is thereby justified when you are tempted christian to wonder if what Jesus did on your behalf was enough. Is it really enough? 
There's something more I could do. Beloved, it is enough. It is enough because Jesus' atonement for our sin was finished on the cross. He didn't say, be back tomorrow. Finish this later. He said, it is finished. And God does not lie. It is enough because Jesus was raised for our justification. Christian, you do not have to wonder if you are justified before the Holy God. Jesus did all that was required and his resurrection endorses this in the most amazing way. Do not play that fleshly game where you second guess your standing with God. Don't play that game. That's a game of deception from the deceiver. That's a, that's a game of your flesh. Your justification with God is not based on your performance. Or your ability to toe the line. It is not based on you in any way. It is based on Christ alone. It is based on His finished work on the cross on his victorious resurrection from the grave. Church, this is why we gather on Sunday every week for corporate worship. Because every Sunday, when we gather, we celebrate the risen Savior, our victorious King, every week. That's why we gather on Sunday. Every week, the soul of every born-again Christian says, Sunday's coming. Every week. We can't wait for Sunday. To be with the blood-bought brethren, to sing in unison as a as a foretaste of what our what it will be to be in glory with the King, to grow in His holy word, to be reminded in the deepest parts of our soul of all that God is and is doing. We get to worship Him. Why do we so look forward to corporate worship on Sundays? in the local church every week because we get to worship the risen Lord because he has secured our justification because we know the love of God only through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and knowing God knowing him knowing his love is the greatest thing in your entire life. Now consider a third reason why the resurrection matters, and that is our sanctification is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope for resurrection, our justification from sin, our sanctification is grounded in the resurrection of Christ. I want to read you Paul's words in, in Romans 6, 4 through 11. I read 4 and 5 earlier. Let me read those again and let me go further this time. Romans 6, 4 through 11. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is explaining that that now in Christ we can walk in the newness of life. We've We've been born again, spiritually made alive. Because Christ was raised from the dead. This is what John is saying in 1 John 4, 9, that that we might live through him, walk in the newness of life. We're alive in Christ. We have new life in Christ. Jesus died to sin, and so also we must consider ourselves dead to sin. Christ came back to life, therefore we who are in Christ are alive to God. This is also very good news because it means we no longer walk enslaved to the flesh and sin. But now we walk according to the Spirit who dwells within us. Only in the power of the Holy Spirit do we truly become free from our fleshly addictions and idolatrous overcling to the things in creation. You know, all those things you make a way bigger deal of than you should. Whether in your heart's affection or when you are bothered by something. (coughs) Only in Christ can your life be truly changed through and through and growingly sanctified. Sanctification is a progressive work that the Holy Spirit produces in our life until one day we are in glory. This is often referred to as progressive sanctification. The Word of Truth Catechism, question 97, ask and answers. What is progressive sanctification? Here's a simple answer. Progressive sanctification is growing in holiness through obedience to the Lordship of Jesus and His Word from a right heart. By grace, it is a lifelong process powered by the Holy Spirit to change us to become more like Christ. Paul speaks of this so well in Romans 8.4, saying that we who are alive in Christ walk or live no longer according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hear that. Romans 8, 5 through 6. He continues, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That was our old self, the old man. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
And, and so listen to Paul's words in Romans 6, 5-11 again. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. This is truly great news. Because we who are united with Christ in faith are united to his resurrection. The resurrected life, our life in Christ, is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Alive to live through Him. Praise the Lord. Church, do you see that none of this is possible if Jesus remains in the tomb? Only because He's risen do we have the blessed assurance that we can sing about tomorrow. And we will grow, and we will grow in holiness, in the providence of our Lord, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Only because He is risen do we have the confidence and the ability to now walk in the righteousness of God. Christian, the, victor- the victorious work of Jesus alone means for us that we're now dead to sin, and it no longer has reign over us. Yes, we're still at war with the flesh, but we're, we're not enslaved to it anymore. Hear it again, 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Resurrection Sunday can't just be a signpost. It can't just be a flag in the ground and you move on. It it is a launch. It is an understanding of life in Christ. When you get it, this wonderful experience doesn't end in half an hour. It, It moves you to live in Christ, to grow in Christ, to celebrate, to testify. So I just ask you, are you living through Him? Are you growing in progressive sanctification? You see the markers of your faith. You see the markers of maturity putting off the old and putting on the new. Sometimes that comes through some really laborious seasons, some really hard stretches. But is the Lord loving you well to bring you through that valley of the shadow of death? To give you a sweet humility because you see all the more your utter dependence on Him.
is a great gift of God that we can live through him, grow through him, love through him. Now, for some of you, the reality is you have found a way to compartmentalize your so-called faith in Jesus. And if we're really honest, if you're really honest, you like the idea of Jesus' death in your place for the sake of salvation, for the sake of getting out of hell forever. But you stop there. You stop with Friday. And you miss out on what it means to live the resurrected life in Christ. You miss out on living through Christ each day God gives you to be devoted to Him. There's so many people who hang their, their, their hat on a Christian faith that's a prayer that they said, that's a, a season of life they did in the church, but they have found their way to now kind of become their own man under the banner of Christianity. No. Oh. Life in Christ, resurrected life in Christ, is surrendered life to Christ. He is the Lord of your life. And so what he says is good is good to you. And what he says is a priority is a priority to you. You might claim Christ as Savior, but you don't serve him faithfully as the Lord of your life. And this is evidenced in a Lack of the most basic things that he calls his blood-bought people to. Like even so basic that you're not regular in worship in a local church. The person living the resurrected life does not avoid or find ways to be busy to avoid the weekly corporate gathering of the saints to worship the Lord and be edified in the Word. You're not doing simple things like a faithful study of God's Word or obeying the Word you're reading. Good things like inviting others who are mature in Christ to hold you accountable. To love you not the way you tell them to love you, but to love you the way Christ calls them to love you. To point you to Him. To keep your affections centered on Him. You're avoiding and not doing simple good things like fighting sin and practicing righteousness. These are good things that God has given the redeemed to do faithfully in our life in Christ, our new life in Christ. But again, maybe you're clinging to a time that you used to attend church and you feel like it's enough. Or a season where you were really devoted to serving God and you, and you kind of feel like it, it was enough. And maybe you just become distracted and busy with life, not to go do gross things, but, but just everyday things. But in that then, where do your neighbors and your family and those that God's put around you see an invigorated testimony of your life belonging to Jesus? 
when you look just like any other heathen that lives down the street. Because they see you mowing your lawn on Sunday and living like the world lives. Maybe for you, you've let hurts that have happened between you and the church keep you from staying connected, from fighting for unity and growing in the Lord as He intends you to. And if this is you, I want to say with all love, I'm so glad you're here today so that the truth of God's Word could go to work. Uh, It's my personal belief that when we sit under faithful teaching of God's Word, we don't enter and leave the same. What that means is the idea of, like, I want to go to church where I'm comfortable is, is attending a church that's not preaching the Word. Because the preaching of the Word and speaking the truths of God will make you uncomfortable. Why? Because God's work in you is like a refining fire. And it will stretch you. And it will move you to the sweet place of confessing sin and turning from it unto what is righteous. Do you see with me today that the life of one who is saved is a life of resurrection and sanctification. It is a life of radical devotion to God. And there's nothing casual or haphazard about it. When Jesus taught on what the Christian life looked like, he said, take up your cross and follow me. There's nothing casual or easy about that. To know Jesus is to be born again. It is resurrection from your fleshly ways, priorities, and wanderings. wanderings. It is a commitment to live in Christ and to serve Christ all of the days God gives you until glory. To enjoy the good blessings of the church and the preaching of the word and the the, the work of the spirit to bring sanctification and witness and disciple making. For those whom God gives saving faith, we trust our entire lives to Jesus. Not just part of it. He reigns high over our life as our king, as our authority, as our greatest love. The person truly blood-bought into the family of God to know the love of God, to know God, won't do things on the horizontal to compromise their relationship with the living God. It's a life that's wonderfully devoted and radically devoted to Jesus and the things Jesus loves, like a hunger for his word and accountability to it, to live it out. That that we're active, that we're committed, that we're reliable in the local church, submitting ourselves to shepherds, walking in unity with the family of God. 
fighting for the things that are important to him. Confessing sin along the way. Turning from it as we grow in sanctification and Christ-likeness. This is the difference, maybe said most plainly, between loving the Savior on Friday and loving the Lord who reigns and is alive on Sunday. As an appointed shepherd of Christ for his people, I plead with you to not beat around the bush with this life-changing truth today. So I want to ask you straight up, is Jesus your Savior and your Lord? If He is, your life will be one of resurrection. I did not say perfection. I said resurrection. Living through Christ will be a daily walk of repentance and trusting in Jesus alone. Now, for those of you who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, but you've drifted, you've, you've found a season to be in disobedience, to live for yourself, to make secondary the things of God, you've maybe found a way to live for God on your own terms. I can think of no better day than for you to do business with God and confess these things as sin and to turn from them. To invite others in humbly to say, will you love me enough to walk with me? This is where I need to be. Help me get there. This is where I want to live and serve my Lord. Turn towards Him. Turn towards His church. Turn towards His Word. And turn towards His way faithful, resurrected life that we live in Christ looks a lot different than the old man made one. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. May it be for the glory of the Lord Jesus and the eternal good of all those that He would put in your path, starting with your spouse, your children, your family. May it be this for you because you have found all you need in Jesus alone. Because he lives. God gave Jesus perfect life to be tortured and murdered in your place so that you could be forgiven. And Jesus rose from the grave so that he could rise you too to the newness of life. To walk in real and lasting hope and joy in Christ alone. That you would Live your life on the rock and no longer on the sand. Friends, there's no hope apart from the cross of Jesus. Your sins are real. God's wrath is very real. Hell is real. But so is forgiveness of sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Consider with me Jesus' words himself to a, a dear friend, Martha. Gospel of John, chapter 11, 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, 
yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha, do you believe this? He puts to her the most important question. Do you believe this? Meaning all that I've just said about who I am and what I'm able to do. I am the resurrection and the life. Believing in me means you will live the resurrected life. You believe this. It it must become personal. It, It must capture you. All of it, not just part of it. It can't just captivate you. It doesn't capture you. You can't just be wooed by it. You can't just believe it in your head. You have to trust it with your life. He asked her, do you believe this? In other words, does she believe her life into Jesus? Taking it off of whatever else she's rested it on, whatever else she's hoped in, whatever else she's been trying to live for or accomplish, and to put it all on Jesus. To trust her life to him. Is she willing to die to herself and live for Jesus because she understands there's no hope apart from life in Christ because of her sin? He is her only hope, He is the prize. And he is the one worthy of her entire life. Worthy of her worship and her devotion all of her days. And so I ask you today. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus alone is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that he is the Messiah who came down from heaven, the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Do you believe into him so that he is the Lord of your life? Understand, this is not a one-time belief. This is not a belief that you have for a season and then you change your mind. It is a lasting belief. The scriptures testify again and again that the truly saved are saved, they're transformed, and they will endure. They're made new. While their faith is truly tested, and while they surely and will backslide in their struggle with sin, even have great moments of doubt, the Bible says clearly they will finish in faith. To truly save, believe now and forever. When you believe, does it define who you are? In such a way, it's so all-consuming, it's so game-changing that you die to yourself and now literally live to Christ. Every day. To know him, to walk with him, to grow in him. Oh, how sweet it is. How sweet it's going to be. Paul understood this so well, and he says it so well in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
This is what it looks like to live through him. Hear it again. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is the gospel of love. If Jesus is not your Savior and your Lord, the Bible calls you to repent and believe in Him for salvation. Trust in Jesus with your entire life. That means you die to yourself and you now live to Him. That means when you look at the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, you need to realize that either Jesus died and suffered and rose for you, or you will die and suffer for eternity. This is the truth of the Holy God's Word. I pray that no one would leave here today Lord of their own life. Therefore still in sin and therefore still an enemy of God. Friends, there is no hope apart from the death and resurrection of Jesus. Your sins are real. God's wrath is real. Hell is real. But so is forgiveness of sin and the resurrection of Christ unto new life. What a wonderful thing God has done. Oh, how he has loved us. Amen? This is why we gather. This is why we sing. This is why we live each day God gives us under the sun. May we live lives of resurrection in the power and love of Jesus. May we be forever changed. Stand with me. As we prepare to respond to these truths with repentance and faith and worship and prayer and the testimony of the Lord's Supper. Pray with me, church. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this special Sunday in the annual calendar to really focus on this marvelous conclusion to the last week of Jesus' life and then his death and his resurrection. And we thank you that it sets the table that every Sunday we celebrate the resurrected Jesus, that we have a new hope, a new power to no longer be enslaved to sin and live for our flesh and for the, the trinkets and the, and the created things of the world, but instead to know you, the living God, to know your love, to, to live for your glory, to have eternal purpose for our days. God, do your work in so many here and beyond on this day. As the gospel is preached, not only here, but around the world, to save your people, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blessed assurance you have given us in the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for the testimony you've given us to share the gospel of Jesus until you call us home. Be worshipped and exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.